0: Welcome to the Maven's Do It Better podcast, and now your host,
1: Heather Newman.
0: Hello, everyone. Here we are again for another episode of the Maven's Do It Better podcast, where we interview extraordinary experts who bring a light to our world. And I am very excited today to bring you another wonderful web uh, podcast with April Wenzel, who uh, I met via Twitter, (laughs) which is a great place to meet. Um, She's the founder of a wonderful company called Compassionate Coding. She's a keynote speaker, an engineering leader, and lots more. And I'm very excited to have her on the show today. April, why don't you say hi to everybody?
1: Hi, everybody. And hello, Heather. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm really excited to be here.
0: Oh, absolutely. So yeah, it's, you know, it's always fun to, you know, see people that you like start following and you're like, I love what they're doing. And it's so neat. And so April and I have kind of been having this Twitter relationship. And um, and then (laughs) I reached out and said, hey, why don't you come tell everybody what you do on the podcast? So um I know you you're the founder of Compassionate Coding and I'd love for you to share a little bit about um that and who you are and give our listeners a little flavor into what you do every day. That would be awesome.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh so I started off uh, working as a software engineer, so with a computer science background, and you know, I came to uh, lead engineering teams, and I did all of that for about 10 years in Silicon Valley, and I noticed that uh, although I was having fun writing code and, and doing the sort of engineering thing, I noticed there was a distinct lack of emphasis on the human side of things in the tech industry, yep. uh, and it shows up in a lot of different ways, whether it's the, the lack of diversity, which I think ultimately stems from a lack of empathy and understanding of different types of people uh, to um, you know building unethical products or using people's data in questionable ways which we see a lot coming to the surface now of how that's that's happening uh, and burnout on the personal level like people are burning out and that's that's an issue and also just like unproductive conflict on teams and so I saw all these issues and, and people were trying to solve them on in, an individual level and I thought you know what the common element here is that we really just don't care enough about people we're just not talking enough about our messy human selves, and, you know, we're relying too much on the logic and, and the rational side of computing. So anyway, so all of that happened, and that's why I started Compassionate Coding, because I was like, you know, these are skills that can be trained, you, you know, you can learn emotional intelligence, you can practice uh, compassion, you can uh, grow these skills, and so that's what my company does, is I um, inspire people and train people on growing their emotional intelligence, uh, specifically in the tech industry. And I focus on engineers because that's my background, but all kinds of people come to my workshops uh, that work in any part of the uh, the tech sector.
0: That's super cool. Yeah, I was looking at um, April's website and it's all about, you know, a, a different approach. And I, the, you, you're speaking to my heart, sister, so <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, and the, you know, there's a slide up on her, on her site, it, it's compassionatecoding.com. And uh, remember that you're dealing with human beings, not machines uh, where did When did you get that so how long has that slide been up as part of your presentations?
1: Uh, you know, that one was from last year, I think, and uh, but that's always been part of it. I, I often say, like, we may be working on machines, but we're working with and for human beings, and sometimes I phrase it in that way, um, And that specific slide was from a great conference called Anxiety Tech that was all about building tech for mental health uh, that happened in San Francisco last year, uh, but yeah, I just think it's such an important issue, and we lose sight of it because we're so focused on the, the hot new technology, and we're like, wait a second, why are we doing it in, in the first place except for the humans on yeah. the other side
0: of it. Absolutely. And so you got started. So you're. I know you're coming to us today from San Diego. So we're, we're coming to each other virtually, me and Marina Del Rey, you in San Diego. Are you originally from there? Is that where you got your start?
1: Uh, no. So I, I was born in Palo Alto, but when I was young, we moved to Texas. So I grew up most of my life, most of my early life in Texas, uh, moved back out to California for school to Southern California, Pomona College, a little school in uh, Claremont. (laughs) And, um, then I moved up to the Bay Area, because I majored in computer science, and that's where you go, yep, <laughs> in uh, Silicon yep. Valley, Yeah. Uh, and then I spent 10 years there, and only moved to San Diego a couple years ago, partly to escape some of the uh, the tech culture that I was working to change, and I, I needed a little, like, breather from all that, right. uh, and just the weather is so much better down here, as I'm sure you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're both having a good day in California on the weather side, we were both talking about earlier, so... <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's awesome. And, you know, you, you're... you're you're working in kind of all of the different technologies. I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier, you know, I, I grew up in the Microsoft world and so, but you're you're, you're kind of more open open source of a, a bit of everything, right? When you're talking about the different companies and different ways. I mean, you're, it, human 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 spans everything, but do you tend to see that you're playing in certain sort of areas of technology more than others, or is it just all over the place a bit?
1: You know, it's really all over the place, which which is consistent with my background, because working as an engineer, I jumped around quite a bit as well, uh, in in terms of languages and platforms I was using, as well as, uh, you know, even the sectors within tech. So like, you know, I worked in education tech, health tech, gaming, um, some bio, uh, bioengineering research, basically across the board. And so, uh, you know, my clients range from, uh, you know, big kind of tech media companies to like small open source startups that like I'm talking to like eight people to like some of the web companies, you know, social media companies. It's sort of you know, one time too, like um, a hotel company that just happened to have, like, you know, an IT department. And so it really just is completely uh, across the board, uh, lots of variety, which keeps it interesting for me for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I know you have talks, um, like, you just, you, you, you're doing talks where you're talking about um, compassionate tech values. Will you talk to everybody <laughs> about that a little bit, is what that means?
1: <laughs> Yeah, so I learned about this idea of compassion from uh, the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. They have this great definition that, that compassion is recognizing suffering in other people and then wanting to take action to alleviate that suffering. And when I first heard that, I was on a compassion retreat, And it struck me because it was about, it seemed very rational, whereas before I sort of saw compassion as this kind of fuzzy thing that I couldn't quite wrap my head around, (laughs) Um, and this made it very explicit. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, even in tech, we talk about alleviating pain points, customer pain points or pain points on the team, and that's really compassion. So compassionate, when I talk about compassionate tech values, uh, basically it's about bringing that concern for making people suffer less uh, whether they're people building technology the people using it or even people indirectly affected by it and it's a way of using compassion to make decisions on a daily basis and on a large scale in terms of strategy for the company and it's good for the bottom line because you know when you care about your users and your customers your uh, employees and yourself. Self compassion is a big piece of this. Uh, you know, you do better work. You, people are happier, more productive, um, and you're making uh, your customers happy too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, it's funny the in working in the you know the Microsoft world and in helping build community, especially in Office 365 and SharePoint. You know, we've we've seen a lot of talk about in, inclusive uh, behavior and then inclusive culture and you know, I think that there's a there's a I don't know, a stronger appetite for it, right? We the, the bit of a culture shift with kind of all the things that have happened in politics and also, you know, just in our world with a lot of movements with, you know, Black Lives Matter and Me Too and all of that. i are you feeling and seeing that shift as well where companies are like, you know, yeah, I want to spend part of my budget on this stuff. I mean, I mean, you you, you have a business around it. I have a business around it. I I'm feeling that shift. Are you feeling that as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, people are kind of a lot of companies uh have neglected it for so long that they're kind of scrambling, you know, yeah. and they just really need they really need help, you know? So I think they're willing to invest in this sort of thing because they they see how important it is. And uh, you know, you know, we talk sometimes about technical debt in terms of like if we've neglected some of the code and it sort of gets a little uh, rotten over time. I feel like we have a lot of culture debt in yeah. these companies where mm. for so long they've been hiring and building cultures around, you know, a very particular, uh, person, which is, you know, sort of the stereotypical tech employee of like, you know, white male, cis, et cetera. Yep. And, um, now, like you're talking about, we have all these ships and they're like, oh, we, you know, the future is not more and more of these clones. We actually have to welcome in diverse people and not just welcome them in, but, you know, keep them there and make sure that we're getting uh, we're allowing them to, to to share their strengths in every way possible, because that's that's what benefits, you know, everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was reading through some of the, the posts that you had recently, and I I, I gave a presentation last year about fear and toxicity in the workplace. And do you find, do you find that people are, you know, that some of this stuff is just based in a lot of just simple, plain fear, you know, like that the, you know, maybe there's not malice involved, but there's just those basic lizard brain fears that we come upon and that, that make people kind of the way that they are. I don't know. I keep, I keep going back to that
1: absolutely i think that honestly like all the negative behavior you see i think all of it can be traced back to fear ultimately no matter what it is Now i think yeah. you're you're spot on there and um, like when people kind of puff up and, and sh- try to show off their ego which happens a lot in tech yep. um i think that that's coming from fear when people like hire the same person, and the same kind of person over and over again, that's fear. It's sort of fear of the unknown, of something unfamiliar. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times it's insecurity, fear, uh, you know, which is a form of fear. Like, it's all that's what's causing these, which is why, you know, I talk so much about self-compassion because I think if people are more compassionate with themselves, they can take care of that fear at the, at the root and then stop kind of projecting it onto the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I always kind of go back to RuPaul with, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else, right? I
1: love it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. The wisdom of RuPaul right there.
0: Absolutely. Um, Do you, do you see that, like, as far as the who of, who is responding to your message and your business? Is it more, is it sort of that C-level CEO, or is it, I don't know, human resources, or is it all of the above? Um, do, is there is there a certain person or persona that you feel like is like, ah, we need to get this done kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I think given like my background and sort of my the people I've attracted on Twitter and whatnot Usually the people who reach out are engineering leaders themselves uh, Whether they're just a manager kind of middle-level manager or or the CTO Uh, But that said, I also um, hear from HR as well because they're like, yeah We have this huge problem in the engineering department and uh, you know Because the thing is there's so much emotional intelligence training already out there But it's more general purpose and to be honest I know for being an engineer we kind of tune that stuff out just because <laughs> it seems you're relevant to what we do and so that's the thing that i try to offer is like make it special for the engineers like specific to the engineers so that they feel like it's somebody who's speaking their language um and i think that that helps um ease 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 them into this whole caring about humans thing yeah uh, and so sometimes human resources will reach out as well um and then you know i will say too Also, I just hear from individuals who maybe can't hire me for the workshop, but they just, you know, appreciate the other content that goes out because that's ultimately who I care about. And and I'm very open about this. Yes, it's great when I can make companies more productive and that's why they pay for, you know, my services. But ultimately what I care about is the individual's happiness. And and like, if it's healthier for an individual to leave a company, then, you know, I'm happy to support them in doing that, you know, my loyalty is always to the, the individual, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes sense. I mean, ultimately, it's a, it's about who we are, right? And each and mm-hmm. each of us individually as human beings, and how we can be the best version of ourselves. Yeah, every day. You know, <laughs>
1: yes, it's an ongoing process. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So, um, talk about the workshop a little bit, or or is it a set of workshops, or it is or is it one? And we tell everybody about how that works a little bit and what it's called
1: yeah sure so part of my process is uh tailoring the curriculum to each client which is why which is why like instead of kind of doing a massive sort of corporate approach what i've done instead is kind of a boutique approach in the sense that uh, companies approach me, I have like in-depth calls with them and people on the team, and then I shape a curriculum that addresses their specific needs. Right. Uh, so for example, um, a recent workshop that I put together was called Leading with Emotional Intelligence, mm. uh, and it was specifically targeted towards technical leaders, meaning people who are, um, you know, engineering leaders and that sort of thing. Um, I I shy away from the term technical in general, because I think everybody's technical, but uh, sometimes I use the language to communicate with people who use it, so um, it was, like, directed towards engineering leaders, and the... i do tailor it but usually it can be grouped into sort of three sections Um, we start off talking about the self because as we were talking about taking good care of yourself is so much like at the heart of all of this otherwise you know what are you doing like if if you're not able to manage your own emotions and and behavior then it's really hard to lead anyone else Uh, and so uh, we always start with the self um, and that's something too that our society doesn't necessarily encourage looking inward it's Mm -hmm. sort of sometimes people call it self-indulgent or you know selfish or self-obsessed and and but it's actually just so important and it helps you present as your best self so anyway so we start uh with some exercises around you know introspection and understanding how your own mind works and so a lot of that's individual exercises to reflect on past actions and things like that and then once we've learned a bit about ourselves then we move on to talking about communication with other people so like i introduced the idea that all that stuff that you just found out about yourself like everybody else has a totally different set of like qualities and fears and preferences and all those sorts of things that are shaping how they're you know existing and behaving in the world and then you know it's funny because it's like a light bulb moment for a lot of people where they're like oh like not everybody cares about the exact same things that i do and um you know that, that they probably have a good reason for doing that weird thing they're doing, and, yeah. Because um, it makes sense in their head, and so we talk about empathy, and then we practice doing. Like uh, we practice through scenarios. So one thing I do is, uh, from the conversation with the company, I find out about specific scenarios that have happened there, like maybe a conflict or, like, an awkward situation that got out of hands, and then I try to come up with scenarios that are not that exact thing but similar to it, right. um, and then let people act out things around it and, and try to shape it into a, more, a healthier uh, interaction to learn from it. And, uh, yeah, and then ultimately we end with an action plan of some sort, depending on the circumstances, either for the team or for the individual, about how are we going to apply these principles going forward? Because one thing... I remember not liking about some trainings is that it sort of felt like you were left hanging like you get a bunch of good information but then like how do you apply this on a daily basis yeah so I like to dedicate some time to like giving people a path forward and then I always stay in touch with clients so they can always reach out for like help troubleshooting help implementing the practices because that's just so important to me so I build that in because again this is not just sort of um, a, a cookie cutter like I'm just go there Present the same slides and then like leave. It's more like a relationship, <laughs> yeah. and so uh, so that's a big part of it too. And they're usually about a half days. It's all the stuff I discuss happens in about a half day workshop.
0: Right. oh that's great. Yeah, I was I was talking to some friends like because we play in a similar space, right? And yeah. um, as far as like workshops and working in with people, and you you know you you're definitely targeting a different audience than I am, but it's but it's similar work. And I I, I was laughing at like we were talking. I was like, yeah, you know, you can't just go in and. Be like, I'm going to throw a really cool Instagram quote up and then like hand you, you know, some self-help book and be like, here, like, watch my quotes and read this and you're going to be fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which, which, you know, the, those things are great as well. But, you know, it's, it is yeah. it is about scratching the surface and going deeper. And because I, I mean, I find that this work is is so rewarding and wonderful, but it's also it's tough, you know, like mm-hmm. like it's holding space for people's stories and you know, knowing, you know, that you're kind of a keeper of people's, some of their deepest, darkest fears and secrets. And, um, it seems that, you know, I, I, you probably hear a lot of stuff. I would assume a lot of stories, you know? Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Do you find that I, I, like once, once you sort of are in there that people are willing to open up to you and talk to you about things as well?
1: Yeah, they generally are. Um, And I think it's because I try to be vulnerable as well from the start. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, one of the articles I have um, online is called Confessions of a Recovering Jerk Programmer, where I write about the ways in the past that I may not have been so empathetic and so um, caring about people. And it's a really vulnerable article where I talk about my own insecurities and how I projected those and all everything. And so a lot of times I'll share tidbits from that in the workshops. And I think it's, it helps show that one, that like everybody's human and we make mistakes and two, you know, we can learn from them. And so I think that helps open people up a bit more, Uh, but you're absolutely right. And I think, I mean, I feel honored that they're willing to share in that space because if they do share, it means I've done my job of creating a safe space for them to do that. And sometimes they share things that, you know, they never would have been comfortable sharing before, but if you establish that safe space, they do. And sometimes you can see the catharsis, you know, and, uh, yeah, so and I'm sure you've seen the same thing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I do find that that's, that is really rewarding, as you mentioned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I want to switch topics a smidge, and so I, I you know, have read you know, obviously, on social media and stuff, but you're, talk about, you're an ultra runner and an ethical vegan. Talk about that. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What does that tell yeah, everybody what that means? So, you know.
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking. So, <laughs> sure. the, the ultra runner means that I run ultra marathons, which are anything longer than a marathon. So, a marathon is technically 26.2 miles. Right. And um, so, if you go anything more than that, you're technically doing an ultra marathon. Uh, the ones I've done have been 50 Ks, which are like a little bit over 30 miles. Wow. Um, and yeah, they're they're pretty intense, and, and I'm a slow runner, so I don't claim <laughs> to be a fast runner. And so they took me about like eight and a half hours, which some people are are more interested in the, in just the length. That's like almost a whole work day of just right. straight running, which. Wow. Is, but um, but so it's funny because I actually. In high school I sort of in, in grade school I hated running the mile Like in, in um, gym class Like mm-hmm. I, like running around the track Like it, I got out of breath My face got red Like I was not in good shape At all right. And it took me until My like mid Late tw- late 20s before i really found that running can be good for my mental health. So yeah. i instead of like using it as a punishment or like a, <laughs> oh i have to do this to stay in shape it was like oh this can be a pleasurable activity. And so that's what led into the ultra running. And so um yeah it's like totally transformed my life and gave me more energy.
0: Yeah. Oh. So that's
1: the running side.
0: That's awesome.
1: Uh thank you. And the uh the vegan side. So you know i mentioned that compassion retreat i went to. It was actually when i became vegan that I went to that retreat um, and thanks for asking about it some people shy away from it because it's like sort of a niche thing and so I appreciate you asking about it sure. uh, but yeah it's just you know I'd always loved animals and so I, you know I did this reflection and I realized that my actions weren't aligned with this idea that I loved animals and I, you know that I believed in like non-violence and stuff because uh, you know if I really gave it thought I was like although society says it's okay and like I grew up in Texas so I grew up eating barbecue you know right. it was like I thought oh this is totally fine I realized that for me personally it felt like I was out of alignment doing that mm-hmm. and so that's sort of what led me into going vegan and then I you know read about it and everything and um, that's what introduced me to compassion so it's actually I mentioned it in my bio and stuff because it it's shaped so much of my world view now, um, having connected with animals because animals are easy to connect with because they're pretty innocent, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that was my pathway into learning about compassion. And I'm like, you know what? Human animals deserve this love too. (laughs) So I guess I should be nicer to people. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Being, uh, so, you know, I came up actually through the theater. So I have a theater degree. And then I got into technology later after college. And and have always been, you know, I, I would say a marketer first, you know. Um, but also technical, having worked at Microsoft. And, and then, you know, having to learn about all of those things coming up. And, you know, running events and building content and all of that. And, you know, I think you're, there is there is a funny... Thing sometimes between the marketer and the coder or the engineer, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, marketers and, and salespeople, even, you know, we're, we're trying to, to sell and market the things that engineers, you know, dream up. And there's, there's sometimes a divide there that it's like, you're not technical enough, you don't understand. And then there's like, you don't even think about how people use things and you're building in a silo. And so I think breaking down that. Barrier is one that uh, do you find that there's some of that at the places that you go into as well?
1: Oh yeah, so much. Like everything you're saying, I was just like <laughs> nodding along here, and thinking yes, yes. Uh, and it's it's you know it's so unproductive too, right? Because I mean, what you're describing is like just a lack of empathy, yeah. and, and you see it from both sides, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like. You know, different priorities, different ways of looking at things. And then it translates into this, like, kind of headbutt sort of conflict where, like, you know, you're just butting heads and not really um, understanding where the other person's coming from. And so, a lot of times, I think that's why companies bring me in. You know, it's this um, inability for the engineers to empathize with the non-engineers, you know? And, uh, you know, that's why I mentioned earlier briefly that I don't believe in this technical non-technical divide because I think, you know, marketers, for example, the ones I've worked with have all these spreadsheets where they're looking at the funnels of people coming in and conversion rates and all this stuff. Like that's technical stuff, you know? Um, and so I think, you know, all that stuff is technical. So for me, I'm just like, all these people are doing great, important work and there's no reason for any to feel like, superior or more important or like more I don't know more uh, top priority compared to others uh, in terms of their um, their preferences and and their interests and so I think you know a healthy dose of empathy definitely (laughs) is is in order there Uh, but it's such a good point I mean
0: yeah yeah so yeah. thank you for bringing that up yeah sure. I figured that you saw that because i I see it as well and it's, it's something i I have a software company, and you know there's times when you know our my our lead developer and i you know I'm like when can I announce it? When is it ready? When it, you know, well, well, you know, it's another, you know, and I'm like, well, even if we announce it, it doesn't have to be completely ready because people aren't going to be ready to buy it. until <laughs> you don't know I even mean? that, that sort of back and forth argument. <laughs> yes. is so, common. <laughs>
1: That's
0: so common completely. Um, so, you know, you have, you know, I, I love, I, I got to look more up about some of the, I'm going to talk to you more offline about some of this compassionate, uh, workshops and training. That sounds really, really cool. Um, And, uh, but I was, I was curious, you know, you are obviously, you know, connected to a lot of people out in the world and are there other folks that, you know, that you like, who do you look to for inspiration and um, like, are there people that other folks might be interested in and following that you're like, oh, I love this person for X or, or Y -hmm. or blogs or people on Twitter or anything like that, that, that really that are like, that speak to you in your heart?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, I really take inspiration pretty widely from across the board. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, the things I read and the things I, um, like, consume, I feel like are so out there that, like, a lot of developers would, or people in tech of any sort would not even feel comfortable a reading or consuming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, like, I process it, and then I, like, I put it out, like, in my, my own way. Um, but uh, I feel like they wouldn't directly, um, you know, identify with it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know. I will say that that compassion retreat was a big inspiration to me. And that was run by a woman named Colleen Patrick Goudreau. And, uh, she, you know, uh, speaks a lot about compassion and she comes at it from the vegan angle, but she talks more widely about like how to have compassion for, you know, everybody and our, you know, mm. people we deal with and all the sorts of things. So, um, she was one of the original inspirations uh, for me and on those terms, but, you know, um, I love uh, you know uh, the work being done by groups like Black Girls Code. I think that's yeah. a great one, a great follow on Twitter because they're doing so much to to help diversify tech from all angles. So they you know are trying to inspire young girls. I have volunteered with some of their workshops before, and they're doing such amazing work there. Uh, because you know I'm, you get tired of hearing from people in tech like, um, oh, this is just not something like women are interested in or something like that. And right. it's just so not true because you see like these girls, they're so excited about technology, and so that's a great. Follow on Twitter um, Yeah so I mean those are two That come to mind yeah. on the spot sure. But yeah I mean I it, it's interesting because I feel like the most like the people I follow so like if I see somebody follow me and it's like a woman working in tech in some capacity like I'll follow her back because I want to find out you know even if like I'm one of her like you know 10 only 10 followers because I want to find out like her perspective and so I think a lot of people in tech could stand to um especially people in the majority groups like to follow anyone from groups that are not yours you know um because their perspective is going to be really beneficial. So those are the ones that, that I'd recommend. And sometimes that's where uh, the most interesting anecdotes and just experiences come from. And it really does help you build empathy to, to hear from somebody else's experiences. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I love how on you know, your your Twitter that you, it, it's I see that you do that, you know, and I I, I I do it too. I love that it's like sometimes it doesn't, you know, it, I don't care about like some like 15,000 blah, blah, or whatever, you know, it, sometimes <laughs> no, it's that yeah. one person who's struggling, who just needs a little pick me up. And, or I love how you, you'll see something from somebody's feed and then you'll comment on it or talk about it or give them some kudos, you know, or, or give them a mm-hmm. little nudge of like, yeah, you, you know, like I think <laughs> that's, I do. I think that's super cool. And, and the fact that you know s- you know some of us who may have more followers or who were involved in things on a deeper level that you take the time to do that says a lot about who you are you know so
1: Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, like, people have done that for me, and I feel like, you know, I, I especially feel like, you know, because I have a certain level of privilege and things that it's, you yeah. know, I feel like it's my duty to help give back in whatever ways I can, and so I try to do that, um, and I'm always trying to, you know, learn from it and try to figure out better ways to do that, but, you uh, know, I, mean, I think we're all doing what we can, um, yeah. and I love, you know, what you're doing with the show, too, just giving, you know, a platform to people who, uh, who you know, inspire you, and I love this idea of bringing more light to the world, because I think that's what the world definitely needs right now, is a little more light. <laughs>
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, a mutual admiration club, I think. Here, I, I just it's been it's been fun to watch, uh, you know, get to know you a little bit more and all of that. And um, oh, I so so as far as uh, the compassionate coding goes you're doing workshops and you obviously do consulting with folks and sort of I would say coaching, you know, adding on, staying in and building relationships. Um, talk about your speaking a little bit too. So I know you're, you're a keynote speaker and you go in and do that. So t- talk about what you do there and, and maybe one of the last ones you did, if you would.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so that is sometimes paired with a workshop. So the the workshops are limited to about twenty-five people, uh, yep. and sometimes I do multiple ones. Whereas the keynote presentations, like any number, can attend. Sure. So a lot of times, companies will have me do the keynote and then a follow-up workshop for more in-depth for a smaller audience. Uh, so I did one recently when I was over in London um, for Bloomberg Technology, and yep. they tweeted about it. Um, so I feel comfortable talking yep. about it because they tweeted about it. <laughs> sure. Because uh, some some of the clients, you know, I'm like I protect yeah. their I, identity, but this one was yep. public, so. Yep. Um, yeah, but they. Uh, so I did a keynote there, and again, I do the same thing where I like to tailor it to the audience. Yeah. So the works so the the presentations I give at conferences are pretty different from the ones I give at companies, in the sense that I'm able to make direct references to the company's culture and yeah. um, help you know use the same language and 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 make um references to past scenarios that have come up so i do the same thing where i tailor it and uh yeah those are those are really fun to do because uh again you get to speak to a large audience there and um you know, kind of show a perspective that they may never have heard before. So for me, the the awesome part of that is hearing afterwards, like, from people, women and people from underrepresented groups, a lot of times they're just like, oh, thank you for talking about this because uh, we need to hear it, you know, things like that, and that comes from, you know, all kinds of companies. And then from other people in, like, the majority group are like, oh, thank you. I never thought about it this way. And so it's those two types of feedback that keep me going because I'm like, oh, yes, like, we're opening minds here. So, yeah, uh, yeah, and that happens at companies, like, large to small and at uh, conferences, too. Um, And so that's that's the thing. But all the topics are in the general space of, you know, compassion and emotional intelligence combined with technology. But it can range from focusing in on, like, burnout and preventing that and how to manage stress. To like very specific, how to do compassionate code reviews. Uh, so it sort of runs the gamut there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like one of um, our speakers in the Microsoft realm, um, Sonia, she had a uh, talk last year that was all about burnout. And mm. I, it, the room, like you know, it was about 150, and I th- the room was packed to the gills. I don't even know how many people were in there, but it was just one of those where everybody came you know, and it was one of those like, okay, this is obviously a a topic that everybody's interested in. And do you feel, um, so I, you know, I I belong to many, you know, in the past, especially say even five or 10 years ago, you know, it would be women in X, you know, women in tech, Mm -hmm. women in drones, women in whatever, um, whatever the X might stand for. And I'm finding that, you know, we still have those groups and, and all of that. But I also find that kind of like what you're saying is that, when you're brought in not just for the women in, but you're brought in as a keynote, or you know brought in to the like larger conference, we're, we're getting I, I, I don't know, I, we're getting more of the conversation, you know, like we're getting the allyship, we're getting do, do you find that there's less women in and more diversity and inclusion? Do you feel like there's a shift happening in how groups are put together and what you're seeing and who you're speaking to?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting thing because you know I see the value in both still yeah, uh, because the, you know, those women in groups definitely provide a safe space a lot of the times yep. for for women to discuss these issues and, and to feel like comfortable yeah. sharing things and mm-hmm. everything and to uh, swap stories and, and get like you know real talk advice about yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, I think they're you know the other side's important too because. For example, I'm usually not brought in by the women in X group because, uh, and when they do reach out, they usually don't have the budget to bring me in personally, because, like like honestly, because uh, a lot of times those groups are sort of grassroots organizations and they don't have yeah. the budget that like the engineering department has right. for training. Right. And so it's usually, which you know, says a lot there too, you know, we should be giving more funding to these women's groups, but yeah. more often I'll go in through the general engineering group because again, these principles apply to all. Yeah. And I mean, that's the approach I've taken with my company is, you know, I'm trying trying i'm working to appeal to all types not just you know here's how women in tech can do better it's more you know if anything it's more emphasized on the other side like i think most of the people who have reached out to me to hire me have been men you know in Mm -hmm. in the the majority group and uh because they they recognize that these skills will help them and their teams and so i think there's a there's place for both and i'm glad that we're having more of both i would say um And uh, I think that's important um, because, you know, some some women will say, like, oh, I don't speak at women in X things, which, you know, I respect everybody's choice and all of this. But I still do, because I feel like sometimes you need to see people in a role that um, can help you, like, be inspired to apply things to your life. And there are certain issues that I feel like, you know, women in in that position can discuss that. that men in that position can't discuss. So I think there's a good place for both and I'm happy to contribute to both. And that's my attitude on it.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I, you know, it it is one of those, it, we're, we're constantly shifting, right? But also <laughs> like respecting the fact that a lot of those grassroots efforts were what have, you know, launched all these other amazing efforts that have blossomed and bloomed. And like you said, understanding privilege and, bringing along everyone, um, into the conversation, you know, where something may have started one place and now it's, it's blossomed into something else. It's, I just, I find it all very exciting. And, but, but definitely, yeah, both are so important. Um, you know, I, I, I always like to ask final question. Um, so, you know, with doing this, what you do on a day-to-day basis with um, compassionate coding and that's compassionatecoding.com. And you all should go right now to the website okay. and sign up for um, April's newsletter to join the movement around that. So you can hear about what she's doing and uh, be informed. But um, what, what do you, can you go back to something that was like the, the spark? I love to figure out like what that a moment or a couple of moments or someone or that spark where you were like, yup, this is it. This was that moment that said, yes, I'm going down this path.
1: Yeah. So, um, it's funny because I'd love to have a positive thing to share there, but it's actually, it's kind of a combination (laughs) negative that led into a positive, uh, Sure. I, I got fed up. So I was at my, my last tech company that I was working for someone else. Yep. And I had been part of one of those grassroots organizations uh, for diversity at the organization. Yep. And I got feedback in a one-on-one that people were afraid of me, uh, ah. th- like meaning the other white male tech leads were afraid of me uh, because I kept bringing up issues of diversity. And uh, you know, like I'm a woman of small stature and I found it kind of amusing that people would be afraid of me, first of all. But secondly, <laughs> this is feedback that strong women get all the time. Like if you speak up, you know, you're abrasive and, and whatever you're domineering or worse words. And so I got fed up. And so when I got that feedback, I was like, seriously, like we have like an organization of 40 engineers and I'm the only woman I try to speak up about it and people are afraid of me. It was just like ridiculous. So I got so frustrated that I was like, all right, I'm done. So I gave my notice that day, two weeks notice. And I was like, I'm going to start a company to fix this because uh, it's uh, it's been bugging me throughout my career and, and I'm sick of it. So that was sort of why I left and decided to do my own thing because I saw that the existing systems were not ones that I could thrive in. And so I had to create my own system that I could thrive in. And compassionate coding has been exactly that for me. Like, I've been able to help others, but it's also just been personally renewing for me. Like, I used to be a zombie, just like so burnt out from having to do all the emotional labor of being like a woman in tech. And now, I have so much more control over my situation, and I feel so much more empowered. And I'm able to empower others, which all that does is help boost me up, you know, as well emotionally. So, uh, so that was sort of the spark. Was that um, was that one on one when I was like, seriously, this is this is really going to be a problem here, still? And so I was like, I got to start a company to fix this.
0: Yeah, uh, birds of a feather. My friend,
1: a <laughs> common <Yes. laughs> experience, I that across the board. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I do. I think that there is a lot of like, you're too much. You're too heavy a crown to wear <laughs> every day. You know, like, could you tamp it down? Could you, you know, could you just stop <laughs> bringing that stuff up? And and I I do think that you know that that spark is 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 a is a catalyst for a lot of folks. I think in this arena too is that you see. A problem and also something that just personally that you know like being our true authentic selves is what we're meant to do right and I think you know yes. that there's do you know that I'm sure you know that Marianne Williamson who's also running for president um, yes you know that they're her our deepest fear do you know that poem um,
1: yes I do Yes, yeah. about the light Yes, yeah,
0: about the light and about you know not if you don't shine your light then you're not inspiring others to shine there. So what are you doing tamping yourself down? You know, kind of the Mm -hmm. basis of that. And I kind of come, I go back to that a lot. And what you just said made me think of that in a great way. So, yeah. Well, I, I got to say, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you you had a moment of feistiness and said, heck no. <laughs>
1: yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, it was a good one. Like I felt good afterwards. It's one of those things when you walk out, you're just like, yeah, yeah. I've taken back my power. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So yeah. So the invitation to, I think, have other folks do that. So, you know, April is amazing, y'all. And she has a great website Uh yeah and you have such a great you know Twitter following and I'm sure all the other social media stuff as well so um, yeah is there anything else you want to tell everybody about that you're doing that they can look out for
1: yeah, oh, yeah, no, if, if, so if they subscribe to my uh, mailing list com- at CompassionateCoding.com, uh, they'll get announcements about everything, and so right now I'm excited to be working on an online course to put some of the ideas I've been teaching in person in a more accessible format online, so that'll be announced through the mailing list uh, soon, hopefully, so uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the main place to go.
0: Yeah, awesome, well, that's fantastic. So everybody, uh, we'll put all the information about April and her website and her company um, in the show notes, and I just want to say thanks for being on what a pleasure to talk to you finally it's so great yay
1: well likewise thank you for having me heather it's been awesome and it's been great to uh, to virtually meet you yeah
0: absolutely <laughs> wonderful well everybody that has been another episode of the mavens do it better podcast you can find us on all the usual spots on itunes on spotify on stitcher uh, on google play and on our website and here is to another beautiful day on this big blue spinning sphere thanks everyone The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.